What is up, everybody? Welcome back to TMT Time. I'm your host, Evan Rothstein. Today's guest on the podcast is the CEO of Parley Pro. She's a very well-known speaker, author, advocate for women in law, and I am talking about Olga Mack. Olga, welcome into the podcast. Hi, it's good to be here, Evan. Thank you for inviting me. I, uh, I look forward to this conversation. We are delighted to have you on board. Uh, for our listeners who are not on social media in the legal space and don't know who you are, which I find hard to believe, but there's probably some of them. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and who you are? Well, today I'm building the future of law at a company called Parley Pro, which is a highly collaborative data-driven contract lifecycle management platform. Prior to that, I had a very rich practice of about 15 years uh, in law. I am a tech lawyer by design, spent some time in big law, but predominantly majority of my career has been in-house. I've been, there are very few things in house that I haven't done. I've been in big companies. I also been in smaller companies, hot pre-IPO companies. I, I've been a number two lawyer, uh, number one lawyer, general counsel, and I've been on the business side of, of pre-IPO companies as well. I'm always on the intersection of law, business, and technology. I have a thing for the future of law, and I'm fortunate to live in the times uh, when uh, somebody who can imagine a law differently, um, actually be gainfully employed and, um, and be impactful this way. So I'm really grateful, uh, not only for the opportunity to practice law at some point and impact the future of law, but also for my timing. Yeah. So the rest of us that are in still in big law, the dinosaurs that are still re reviewing documents and, and drafting discovery requests, why do you think now's a good time for technology to help lawyers and law firms and, and in-house counsel groups? Uh, look, I mean, now is a good time, but it's been a good time now for a while, right? Uh, you know, I, I've been in, in, in big law. I started a little over 15 years ago when the rules of e-discovery, you know, came to being. Um, and uh, I, as a former litigator, spent quite a lot of time figuring out what that means and working with internal technologies and the technology providers and various technologies as, as it matured. Uh, E-discovery is one of the more mature spaces. Uh, so this timing, you know, the, the, the technology has been evolving now for some time. Uh, we now have SaaS technology that uh, has evolved quite a lot and uh, has proven itself in all other functions outside of law. So the reason to consider it quite uh, intentionally today is because it's a mature technology that has a lot to offer uh, to, to lawyers as it does to pretty much everybody else. Uh, and of course, the, the other reason to consider why now, right, the part number two is that, you know, we have technologies that are proven like SaaS and, 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 and useful, but we also have technologies that are sort of disruptive technologies that are coming up. Uh, there's not quite as mature, but they have this really big promise. And I'm talking about things like AI, blockchain, data, that type of stuff. So, you know, we have something that gives us value today and something that will give us even a greater value tomorrow. So those are two compelling reasons to, to, to be active in that space. Okay, so I wanted, before we keep going, you mentioned blockchain. I saw a post you did on LinkedIn about crypto and bored apes. I've podcasted a lot on both of those topics. Uh, the NFTs are a project of mine legally and personally. So I'd love to get your thoughts on like how blockchain or crypto can help 
in the legal space, and then obviously your personal thoughts on Bore Yacht Club. Um, you know, look, I, I, you know, my before Parallel Pro, I was a VP of strategy uh, at, at a smart security protocol called Quantstamp. It's a Y Combinator company. So I was, you know, I have, I have the thing about me is that I've been in, 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 in SaaS, data, AI, crypto, blockchain before any of them were cool. Um, and so I, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate this industry and and see how it's maturing. It does have somewhat of a way. Of, of, of time to develop and mature. Um, you know, I think where today legal industry is, is that we're still discovering SaaS. <laughs> um, and, I, you know, we are going to be on that journey as well. Uh, technologies like blockchain and crypto uh, are still, you know, evolving and maturing. Um, you know, and it's very, it, the time to experiment and build today. Um, and, you know, um, but, you know, they also have a long way to go. Um, we're, we're not even quite at the app level. We're still sort of addressing fundamental structural platform issues. So you're not late. <laughs> you have time. And if you would rather focus on SaaS today, you ha can have an opportunity to do that. But if you want to be on the cutting edge and if you want to be building, um, you can, you know, jump in and you'll have fun doing it, uh, specifically with when it comes to blockchain and crypto. I think there's sort of two things. One thing is, as with any technology, you get sort of efficiencies. If we do it right, you get bigger, cheaper, faster, and that usually helps to get in into technology. But I think the promise of blockchain is much bigger than that. Uh, and I wrote my last book is called uh, Blockchain Value, where I discuss how fundamentally uh, the business models will change. Uh, this technology actually enables to conduct different economies and uh, in a different way. Um, and there's sort of multiple examples of that that I discuss in the book. So there is, you know, there's sort of why we, why you would get in now, you know, is to build, why you would get a little later, which is probably efficiencies. But ultimately, I think it's because it will completely change the way we transact, live, and, and go around our community, just kind of in the same way as internet technologies have been doing now for a while. So the... Parley Pro solution to deal with contracts. Who is your target audience? Who are you marketing that to? Uh, we sell in-house to uh, corporate legal and procurement departments, but we serve the entire enterprise. We allow folks to have relationship with a contract that is one, appropriate to their function, and two, appropriate to the stage of a contract. So, and what I mean by that, you know, is that if you're a lawyer, chances are you have to read the whole thing from beginning to end or end to beginning. However, you Wait, prefer what? to read. <laughs> Lawyers read contracts? No, not the ones that we sign ourselves. Maybe ones we do for clients. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but uh, you know, your folks, you know, you have folks in the finance department probably care about some of it, not others. Your folks in IT may have a different relationship with the contract. They may only care about it in a certain stage and maybe not even a paragraph, but a sentence level. So we allow kind of to have a relationship with a contract that is one appropriate to your function and two appropriate to the stage of a contract. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about what you are doing. And I saw you announced on LinkedIn. Obviously, you're like a TED speaker. So you're one of the most famous people we've had here on TMZ Time Off as an aside. Visual IQ for lawyers. You dropped that nugget about a week or two weeks ago. What is that? It's a passion project for you. Tell our listeners about it. 
Yeah, I last time, you know, I, I, this is not my first book. This is my book number uh, four or five, depending whether you count my self-published book. Um, and uh, I, every time I write a book, I vow that I will never write another book again. Uh, and uh, a publisher- well, That's like an entrepreneur, four times a failure, right? Because this, this is your next book. Yes, yes. You know, today I mentioned on the, on LinkedIn that I, um, I, I I like to think of myself as below average, and you know, people had reaction to that. Um, people don't like, you know, they didn't think it was motivating enough. But the reality, I think, is you know, failure and 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 coming to uh, problems from the place of learning is really are the best places to learn and and do pivots and 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 get progress. Uh, but that aside, um, is that. Uh, you know, look, as I said, I've been in, te in technology now for quite some time. And what I see is that this digital transformation bridge is leading to a world where we increasingly <laughs> use fewer words and increasingly use many more images, whether it's emojis or GIFs or, or memes or videos. Like those are just like spectrums of of nonverbal communication in writing. Um, and, 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 and law is on the path of using more words. <laughs> um, and, and why, so why would we use less words when we can just fill the air with our own voice? We love hearing ourselves talk. So I have a podcast. <laughs> For the very same reason why we no longer use typewriters, um, because times change. Our skills need to be updated. Yes, words will always be close to our heart. But what I mean by visual IQ is kind of as a skill in the same way as we now have realized that emotional intelligence is important, financial acumen is important to a modern lawyer, and uh, I'm making a case that visual intelligence as well. And what I mean by that is, yes, communicating maybe to some extent or a greater extent, depending who you are, legal advice, but so much more than that. Visual IQ also includes an ability to be a full participant in the modern world and understand, you know, kind of how humans show up, how to interpret facts. If your client comes to you and says, my customer just sent me a text with two emojis, does that constitute termination? I would like you to be able to approach this problem analytically from a place of not being disadvantaged. And today I think most lawyers are. Um, but it's actually a good question. That's a good hypothetical. So if your customer sends you a, a text that has a thumbs down and a frowning face emoji, have you been fired? Have you? Uh, and there is actually, there is increasingly now case law around this point. Um, and both in the United States and outside, I've wrote a couple of articles published on the Association of Corporate Counsel um, that uh, you know, lawyers should really figure out this um, nonverbal uh, conversation, visual conversations that we're part of. Um, so that that's that that is one of many aspects. But then there's so much more. If you ever work at a company today, uh, you will find yourself you know whiteboarding problems quite a lot, um, and ability to to have conversations visually with your peers is increasingly yet another skills. And you know, I've seen some lawyers at law firms do it with better than others. It's not unusual for corporate lawyers to, to draw, uh, you know, the, the reverse triangular merger, um, and 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 do it visually. Uh, and some do it, you know, better than others. And that's I work with lawyers who still dictate. Let's put it that way. Well, 
Thank goodness I'm not working with lawyers like that. <laughs> thank, thank goodness. That's, I don't even know what that is. Uh, no, no, I mean, I have a whiteboard in my office. We, you have to visualize literally everything now. And uh, you're preaching to the choir because I tell people that I work with all the time how to use digital marketing uh, in today's legal environment. Like you have to have a presence somewhere where people can get you. And it can't be, you know, your seven paragraph description of how amazing you are on your website. Like everyone is amazing. We're all amazing. Oh my God, we've won a million cases and we're amazing. Um, there has to be some kind of differentiator. And I think lawyers do need to learn how to use like visual tools and aids like you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. The book, the book is divided really in sort of visual con conversations basics. Uh, and the second part of the book deals with applications. So I'm soliciting examples from your listeners now and uh, from uh, folks in my network on LinkedIn and other social media to contribute examples in four areas. One is actually is marketing. And I've seen quite a lot of visual innovation among lawyers, uh, the way they market themselves in their practice and the way they show up. So that's absolutely one of the things um, I would like to include examples to inspire folks um, how they how they actually have conversations about themselves, uh, but also substantive legal advice um, and also how to uh, operationalize your practice. Pictures often are highly helpful in thinking through how information and data flows and which parts you connect to which. Um, and then lastly, communications, both in and out of the boardroom and courtroom, depending, depending what your playground is. <laughs> All right, let's dig into each of those categories just a little bit because I want to get behind them a little more. So the first thing you said was sort of the marketing practice, how you show up. Where do you see uh, lawyers needing help? Where have you seen lawyers doing things correctly? How can you give me free advice so I can get do better and get more clients? Look, I mean, I, I think to say that lawyers as a group, you know, need to do X, Y, and Z, you know, it's, 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 it's tough because some of us are all, you know, we're all humans and some of us are more evolved humans than others. And, you know, what pandemic has shown is that there are actually lawyers on LinkedIn who are pretty savvy and are doing some really exciting stuff. So instead of me telling you what to do, I'm gonna give you the, the, the one thing that will get you numerous um, uh, advices and examples. I invite you to go on LinkedIn, follow people who manage to share about themselves and their practices and add value to others and see what's possible. There is a whole repertoire of possibilities here. And uh, some of it is correlated with personalities and some of it is correlated with practices. So uh, if you're, you know, if you show up to LinkedIn often enough, you will find a few folks who do it and who do it well. And I invite you to just, you know, build on that. Uh, social media is something that uh, is a collective sport. You can learn from others and, and then, you know, you can learn from watching them. And then if you're really adventurous, you should talk to them and ask for even more specific advice. Well, look, that, look, that's how I got to you. <laughs> I am adventurous. So I follow Alex Sue and some of the other new people doing fun stuff uh, online. And this podcast actually was born out of me seeing what other people do on LinkedIn and how they're reaching potential clients, clients, listeners, how they're able to, to show personality and depth behind the nameless, faceless, seven paragraph like law firm. Here's what I do. And I'm amazing. Here's seven cases I won. Yeah, it helps. 
you know, in the end, uh, we work with the people for the people. And if you connect with the person, that makes a big difference. Um, and if you connect with a person who you feel like you can trust because they have somehow been able to, one, reveal their humanity and two, reveal their competence. I, I would say that by the time you actually talk to that person, you will have a much stronger relationship. Uh, I've personally experienced now for a long time that I, I've shared my thoughts in various platforms, including LinkedIn, but also in like Above the Law, ACC, Bloomberg, and other places where people regularly read my columns and thoughts. Um, and yes, I overshare sometimes about my husband. Uh, but by the time they get to me and we have conversation, they feel like they know me, what I stand for, what's important to me as a human and my values. And we just, you know, even though this is the first time we have conversations, um, they just start at a better place. No, I mean, I, I believe in that wholeheartedly. And I think, you know, there's been a lot of negativity around the pandemic. This is one area where I think there has some positive threads you can pull on because I feel like more connected to certain people now because I have put myself out there more. I'm on, I'm on the record now hundreds of hours of blathering about things that I like, my family, my dogs, Pokemon, Peloton, where people would have never had the opportunity to get to know those types of things. And I think it's made me more connected to people. So I yeah. guess I have the pandemic to thank for that. But and globally, globally, yeah, right? Totally. I, I, I think one of the things, you know, I was already pretty active before pandemic, as a, definitely for a lawyer. Uh, but I think what pandemic did is made that reach much more global. I, I've discovered lawyers in other jurisdictions and, and it turns out, you know, some lawyers in other jurisdictions are, are doing exciting stuff and I've learned quite a lot from them. Good, I know, I totally agree. Good people that are, you're like, wow, I would have never known this. Oh, this is neat. You're doing that and you're somewhere else. Yeah. All right, the next thing you mentioned was substantive legal. So how are visual IQ helping folks or gonna help people in the, in the substantive space? Yeah, we are increasingly rethinking the idea that our legal work product is meant for the audience of, you know, somewhere between one to seven people or 12, depending whether you're doing it for the judge or jurors, depending on your jurisdiction, right? Um, and we are now thinking, you know, about law as, a, as, as something that is a service that has humans consuming it and having relationship with it. And uh, now we also have, you know, decades of designing products and services on the internet and learning sort of the, the learnings from UI, UX and all kinds of stuff. And the question that is logically asked, why is law not doing it? And so you see this moment of, uh, you know, legal design and visual communication, a big part of it. And legal design is very much user centric and asking a question, you know, what does your client think? Are you effective? Do they know what's in the contract? Do they understand the policy before they sign, uh, before they click on when your client customer uh, clicks on terms and conditions? Um, do they feel your brand come through, right? So we now hold legal work product to a much higher standards, both in terms of comprehension, 
um, from our uh, clients, but also with the way we show up and what kind of signals we send to the world, not just regulator, not just judges, but like, do we show up as a brand in our legal documents the way we want to be seen? And so, so there is sort of a much more active movement to, to manage the customer client experience. There's also a sort of much more active brand management uh, the technology has increased transparency of a lot of content. And frankly, our regulators are holding us to much higher standards as well. So if you read GDPR, for example, it very much talks about that privacy policies and terms and conditions should really you know, be understandable by users. And that means usually using some sort of visual elements, even if it's not pictures, you know, things like white space. Um, and that's why you see sort of movement towards simplification, uh, towards sort of using uh, space differently, using visual aids like tables and timelines. And then ultimately, you also see leaders in the space actually using pictures to speak with pictures, what will take a thousand words to, to, to convey. All right. I, I'm, I'm sold. I think this is uh, something that people need because then I would push back and say, it's not just how you want to be seen as the provider of the information. It's how the other side, the other humans on the other side, whether it's in the jury, the judge or the boardroom or your readers are perceiving you and are you reaching them? And, you know, my wife bought me this, this, uh, she always buys me these funny like things that I put on my desk that have sayings that are not safe for work that I can't repeat here. But one of them says, trust me, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> and I feel like that's what lawyers and regulators do with clients and opposition and judges, it's no, 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 I'm the, the, I possess all the good knowledge. I know everything. It's all in my head. Don't worry. This contract says what I'm saying. It says, I've read it. You're good to go. And I think that you're right, that if we use visual aids and, we'll, and to help us be more transparent, we'll get more buy-in from the humans on the other side that we're talking to. Absolutely. The number one question that folks asked me when I was in house is, you know, what is the deadline in the contract or something really pretty simple in the contract. Uh, that pretty much tells you that our relationships with contracts or any legal documents is broken. Like we don't know what's in them. Actually, let me take a step back. Many people don't even know that various relationships are governed by contracts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, well, I mean, this is the, that's what I'm saying. This goes back to, trust me, I'm a lawyer. I'm gonna fill this up with enough words that it looks good and you're gonna sign it, we're gonna go on. And I've covered my, my AWS in every which way that I possibly can, you're covered, sign it, let's go. That's right. Now those days are gone. Trust me, I'm a lawyer argument, those days are gone. Yeah, like the, you slide the piece of paper when you go into the trampoline <laughs> park, for example, and they slide the piece of paper, it's like two pages long and you're like, I'm signing this, but if I break my leg in here, what actually really is gonna happen? <laughs> And you could use the pictures, right? You could have a, a pictorial of like broken leg, ambulance, lawyer. You, yeah, you, look, I mean, it's it's more than that, right? You know, some, you know, I was just talking to um, a technologist and she said, look, we spent so many marketing dollars to drive people to the website, right? Uh, and then they get there and they get a wall of text when it comes to terms and conditions and privacy policy. That's not who we are as a brand. Yep. That's not what we stand for. You know, our website says one thing, our product says another thing, and our terms and conditions scream something else entirely. So uh, what, are you, what are you seeing? What, what, what like sort of 
progressive changes on terms and conditions, for example, are you seeing, are you promoting? Uh, Cause I'd be really interested to hear about it because I try and get those to get off my screen as fast as I possibly can. Yeah, no, there, there's movement. There's quite a lot of movement. There are people who do some really exciting stuff. Those are innovators. Let me not talk about those. Let me talk about folks who you can emulate today. And we have historically emulated Google and Apple. Um, you go to increasingly terms, you know, they have multiple terms and conditions and privacy policies for various services. You will see quite a few things. You will see simpler non-legal language that conveys the same information um, in fewer, simpler words. That's definitely something you see um, in, in, on, on Apple and Google. And they're kind of in the process of redesigning various uh, parts of their policies uh, that are consumer facing. Um, and then you also see sort of much easier way to navigate sort of redesign of those customer facing documents. So they're actually useful. So if you want to figure out when your contract expires or what your remedy remedies are or whom to contact, it's much easier to find. And partially you see the easiest thing to do is to play with white space because the more white you have, the more contrast you have with, you know, with actual objects or text. And so it jumps out at you. Uh, and so actually going through the exercise of cutting out irrelevant stuff and legalese, you have fewer words and you have opportunity to emphasize those words with more white space. So you see quite a lot of sort of white space that actually guides your eyes toward important information. Um, and then the other thing you see, you kind of see folks grouping things together that are related uh, and to make it easier for you to figure out what it all means in various contexts. So all, all the data information is in the one place. Um, and all, all obligations, payment information is in another place. So you see a lot of grouping of the information. Um, and then what you also see increasingly actually use of visuals to either convey the, the sort of substance of the information so you can kind of understand it by glancing or you see visuals used as essentially like traffic lights uh, or traffic posts to kind of like Hey, this is a, you know, this is where we talk about data practices. And you kind of see a visual that, you know, suggests, you know, some sort of data practice. And then something that along with a dollar sign that maybe separately will signal that now we're going to talk about money um, and separate. So you see sort of various visual aids to, to understand what's in the contract, to create transparency, to have a different relationship with a with, with that agreement, and to really kind of scan and make it useful. These are actually practical tips for everyday <laughs> life, even for emails, people that send really long emails and I don't want to read them because my eyes are glazing over. Something that I've started using that I'm told is not professional apparently uh, is TLDR, which I love on the internet, too long, didn't read. And just putting that at the beginning and at the end. And it's, it's a, a somewhat like what you're talking about. Like, look, let's just synthesize the crap out of here and get to the things that we actually need to read and need to know about. Yeah, yeah. So you are in California right now. I'm in Denver where it's snowy and we can't really do a whole lot outside. What do you do outside when you're not giving TED speeches, writing books, advising lawyers and publishing uh, online? Do you go outside and what do you do when you go out there? Um, I have two daughters, they're 10 and 12. 
And these days, I manage to embarrass them much more often than I would like. Um, I, um, I, I love to hike as every Californian would. So I'm very much living up to that stereotype. Um, my dad was a professional swimmer. So I also love to swim um, in uh, somewhere between March and, um, and October. I also swim quite a lot in my, my, in my pool. Um, I also bike quite a lot as well. All right, Olga, for our listeners that want to get involved in your visual IQ project, how do they reach you? Where can they help? How can they participate? Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, I welcome examples of, of visual conversations, uh, whether they're substantive legal advice, marketing of your legal practice, uh, communication in and out of the boardroom, or designing better systems for your practice. Um, I am very active on LinkedIn. Um, so connect with me and, and let's direct message and have a conversation about it. Um, I also show up in other places, including the Association of Corporate Counsel, Above the Law, Bloomberg Law, and numerous other places. But the best way to have a conversation is LinkedIn. Awesome. All right. Well, look, I really appreciate your time. It was I was the one of the people who bugged you on LinkedIn and asked for you to come on TMT time. I'm so grateful that you said thank you. You said yes. Uh, it's been lovely having you on today. Wish you the best of luck with the newest book.